0: previously on Spies Like Us. Welcome back. Uh, Thanks for checking in with Spies Like Us podcast. This is part two of our Munich episode. And if you're not already familiar with the film, you might want to go back and give part one a listen. While you're at it, you might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app, so you can always stay caught up with
1: us. That said, if you do want to just jump in with us here, that's fine as well. Uh, Just give a really quick recap. Palestinian splinter group kills a bunch of Israeli Olympic athletes in 1972. Israel puts a five-man black ops team into play as a response. The team kills several targets on their list before participating in the famous Spring of Youth operation in Lebanon. And that's going to get them into some hot water with their information source in this episode of Spies Like Us.
0: You know, I actually wanted to put this down as one of my worst trade crafts, but I decided against it Because basically, Louis forces Avner to put on a blindfold to meet Papa. And he's going to go by himself with a blindfold without his team. And, you know, watching this, I was thinking, this is a bad move. This is almost certainly going to get him killed. But considering how important this uh, source was and the opportunity to get information, and really, there's not a huge motive for them to do anything to him other than they're, like, upset that they want to. You know, it's. It's kind of like uh, I I I don't really see as much of a bad play as I did when I was watching the movie. When I was watching the movie, I was like, "Why would you do that?" But I mean, it's kind of like a loss of an opportunity to not do that. I guess I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, I see where you're coming from, and that's why I think we won't give it minus five points because we're already like gonna kind of save our minus five points for the fact that like Avner. His group is like so dependent on Louis, like you're saying, like you know, like the opportunity cost of losing this information contact, right? Uh, is is established. So, if you buy into that, then it makes sense for him to get in the car. But I don't buy into that, I don't (laughs) like the fact they're so dependent on Louis. It is not, uh, this is this, this is where we're going to talk about. Uh, you know Louis and and his group. All indications are from from historical sources are that this like French connection that they have uh, with this group is is like you know spurious and 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 made up stuff. Uh, everyone that that you talk to, you know, in documentaries or wiki or something agrees that the information used in Wrath of God was mainly gathered from Palestinian informants.
0: Wow. So there's no ominous private intelligence organization?
1: Not one that I believe in. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like them in the movie. I don't yeah. buy them as far as being, like, realistic. And I also want to talk about this. Louis has said, we're apolitical. As long as you're not working for a government, we can do business. We'll sell you information. And by the way, they sell information at a pretty fucking high price.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Receipts, Avner. Oh, that's right. Didn't you want to talk about this? Oh,
0: yeah! Oh. <laughs> that's one thing that, me, yeah, at the beginning of the film, they made such a big deal about getting receipts. And, like, I could understand, like, keeping a ledger of some sort. What I don't understand is how I'm going to get a receipt for paying $200,000 to the CD organization for giving me information. What are they going to give you a receipt for? Like oh here's that Ferrari you bought or something here's my business consulting service yeah like I don't understand like where these receipts are supposed to come from like I understand a ledger like contact paid two hundred grand uh, for information and I'll give that ledger to you know the the dark intelligence agency uh, accounting department I, you know I'm but I'm I'm not gonna expect some like underground organization that makes that kind of money that's trying to stay anonymous and all of a sudden they're just going to hand me a receipt for giving me like I don't, I don't I don't buy it.
1: I just want to see the 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 accountant's face uh at the end of the movie when he's like $600,000 for falafel? Is this right?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cuz they do eat a lot of food.
0: They do eat, they, uh, they eat a lot of food.
1: So anyways, yeah, that was a good call on your part. I like that. Um, so, again, they say that they're apolitical, purely mercenary, and that they, they say specifically, like, if you're working for a government, we're going to walk away. We're not going to deal with you. Um, these guys are supposed to be, like, these crazy, like, information experts. I, at first, I thought, like, maybe they're just, like, looking the other way. They're like, as long as you don't say that you're working for a government, we're going to believe that you're not working for a government. But who the fuck who the fuck do they think Avner's working for? Yeah. Like, it's not even a it's not even necessarily a question of information gathering mm-hmm. about who he is and who his contacts are and and what his movements are, which again, they should be able to kind of do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just like common sense. Like, do they think like it's the Exxon Corporation that's like spreading all these wads of cash around Europe to kill Palestinian terrorists? So Minus five points for that. And it's my number two worst tradecraft is uh, that, uh, you know, Papa's group just doesn't make sense in that way.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like, they're so good. How come they haven't figured out who these guys work for?
1: <laughs> and then especially, like, after Lebanon, when it has been, like, even if that was kind of the deal of, like, okay, as long as, as long as you can give us some plausible deniability mm-hmm. that you're not that you're not working for a government, like we'll go along with it. But like Abner specifically said, and it's true, like as soon as Lebanon happens, Louis Group knows they know that Abner's working for the Israelis.
0: Yeah, not even a question.
1: And so that's why Louis wants, like, a, 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 I guess, like on Papa's orders, he he tells his son, like, bring that guy to me. I want to talk to him. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. We get, we get Michael Lonsdale, right. uh, who, uh, you know, I immediately just recognized him as the guy that uh, he's like the guy playing with the little toy soldiers in Ronin. You remember that? Oh, it right? was
0: him. Yeah. He's
1: basically playing the exact same character. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, from his IMDb, uh, he was also the, the he was a Bond villain. He's the he's Hugo Drax in Moonraker. And he also, sh- he also showed up in Day of the Jackal and the remake of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, okay. And then I had uh, one other thing to say about Louis group, which after they did... Well, we didn't even bring it up, but I, I think it wasn't... Wasn't it their third uh, op was when they blew up the guy with the bed bomb in the hotel? Yeah. bomb maker on our team is, like, absolutely convinced. Like, because the explosion was, like, way bigger than what he had planned. And, but he's sure that he read the markings on the explosives correctly. And so he's saying to the team that, like, hey, guys, you know, where did you get these explosives? And he's like, well, from Louis. They are already kind of have reason to suspect that. I don't know where to go with this. I mean, like, what do you think? Do you think Louis did give them intentionally, like, more powerful explosives than they needed, and why?
0: Let's say he did do it, it probably would have kind of been to scare him a little bit, you know, to just be like, you know, this is serious type of stuff. So if you're working for a government, don't forget what I told you.
1: Well, I feel like that's minus spy points. I mean, yeah. I don't see what it, what it accomplishes for uh, Le Group to, uh, you know, cause Avner to accidentally cause a bigger explosion and more civilian casualties than were needed. Like, yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't serve anyone's interests that I can think of. And then the fact that the team doesn't follow up on that. I mean, I understand they don't follow up on it immediately. You know, maybe they just have their doubts or whatever. But also, like, just minus my points for not following up on that. Back to the thing, I don't like the fact that everything they're getting, like, all their information and their supplies and their everything are all coming from this one source. Fuck this.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: my number three worst is is just that they're not... I don't know. Everything that we just said. Let's just say
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be that dependent on that type of stuff. But, I mean.
1: Right. Yeah. And when you have concerns, like, you know, when there's any doubt, there's no doubt in the spy yeah. world. That's, 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 that's a mantra I think spies need to live by.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Now, Avner still wants Salome. But Lewis continues to say no, that it's impossible. It's never going to happen. No, no, no. However, Louis offers another name that's actually not on the list for uh, the team's targets. Uh, But according to him, it's the replacement KGB contact for Black September. Uh, The guy who they just bed bombed with the overkill of explosives. And... um, so Louis is just like, hey, here's here's a target for you that you're actually looking for. So wh- what's the like group doing here? Um, you know, it's it's kind of weird. Like why feed them a target? They don't really have a dog in the race. They're supposed to be like non political. They're supposed to be you know just private enterprise, and it's kind of weird. And this really never gets answered. Um, and one of the weirdest things is Louis supplies a safe house for the team. And while they're there, some drunken group of guys show up to the same safe house. Everybody pulls out guns. There's like a standoff. And it turns out these are PLO guys, you know, at the safe house. And basically, it becomes clear but both groups are like, Louis promised us this is a safe house. And you know, we're we're set up for a really, really good Spielberg moment here where two different people come together and they have to figure things out. Uh, But it's just a really weird situation and it's something we should really discuss because there's some really big ma- major, major, majors minus spy points here. You know, for both for everybody playing. First of all, like, why is Louie double booking these two groups that are probably gonna cut each other's heads off? Second of all, why are these both groups like agreeing to finally stay here? And why are they all buddy buddy all of a sudden? And you know, mainly what is, what is the purpose of it in the film? Um, I, I just don't get it.
1: And remember, like we just we just were at Paris. We were just at Paris where, you know, uh Avner kinda like made his peace with Papa about the Lebanon thing. Right. And, and and Papa kinda gave his like just don't do it again.
0: A little slap on the wrist type of
1: Yeah, like like I think like, you know, he just he wanted to meet Avner in person and take his measure
0: right size him up a little bit and
1: and make sure that he wasn't like a super loose cannon and whatever it was that papa saw in avner's eyes and this will go into a whole bunch of like daddy issues that are like rife through the film which i don't <laughs> think we'll have time to get through yeah papa who's the leader of the Le group seems to have been satisfied that avner is a man a man of conviction that respects the the generations that have fought for freedom and family before them. So that being established, it's very weird that the very next thing seems to be like a complete double-cross from Le Groupe. How would you expect, if you were Louis, like, how would you expect that to turn out? You'd probably expect that to turn out. It's a bunch of fucking... Israelis and Palestinians are going to shoot each other. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and it's going to be chaos. I don't see how that serves anyone's interests, including Le group. And so right. I give that minus five points. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm not even, I'm building up. There's so many minus five points. And this is why this is going to build up to be my number one worst trade craft. But that's part of it, Right. right. Um, You know, they just made an accord, why suddenly stab them in the back? Uh, I got one idea, again, going back to the daddy issues, you know, like uh, during the meeting with Papa in Paris, uh, Papa kind of like shamed his own blood son, Louis, right?
0: Yeah, he was kind of dismissive of him through the whole thing.
1: Right, and he also kind of made a connection with Avner. He said, like, you could have been my son.
0: Yeah. But you're (laughs) not. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, like, my best idea here, even though it's not explained in the movie, is that maybe Louis is, like, just doing his own fucking thing, and maybe he's just mad at his father for not having faith in him, and placing some kind of, like, faith in this other, like, alien Israeli who's not part of the family and and almost even kind of suggesting that Avner would have possibly been a better son to him than Louis is. Yeah. And so, like, you know, this could be, like, this weird kind of revenge play. Maybe that was in the script somewhere. But it definitely doesn't get, like, you know, Uh, resolved here right? you know so my number one worst is that like what Louis does doesn't make sense how the team responds to it which is basically failing to respond to it doesn't make sense and the film doesn't go anywhere with this it's just some bullshit like making us wonder who's on whose side
0: it really seems like just kind of shoehorned in to kind of like make everybody have a Spielberg moment of you know, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah.
1: And this is like a, a way that he can have uh, to arrange a moment where uh, Avner and a member of the PLO can have a conversation with each other. Now, of course, the the PLO guy, he doesn't know that Avner is, is really Wrath of God operative. Right. He, he thinks he's someone else, but that's an opportunity for them to have a conversation about the... Uh, futility of conflict.
0: But you know, as far as I guess the situation goes, I, I think you have a really good point at putting this in your worst tradecraft.
1: Yeah, and let's like, you know, pile into that, you know, throw onto that pile as well, the fact that even after they, you know, all agreed to not shoot each other, it still seems clear like the PLO were sent here like the PLO are on a a mission right that they're doing and these other guys are on some other mission and it's it's just really weird that they all like let's share the safe room right um, although i do love that scene where uh daniel craig and the plo guy are fighting over the radio of of like what to listen to yeah and, uh, and then they finally agree on Al Green's Let's Stay Together.
0: I-, I thought it was cute. I enjoyed it, you know. But, like, you know, the whole time I'm rolling my eyes, I'm like, ah, Spielberg.
1: But... <laughs> Before we uh, uh, move off from Athens, I want to say, too, like, uh, you know, I found some interest in noticing, like, um, how they maintain their cover. So, here, let's go into some detail on, like, who the good guys our Avner team, like, claim to be. Bomb maker is shouting ETA, ETA, ETA. Like, don't shoot, we're ETA. The Basque ETA was a terrorist separatist group out of North Spain, Southern France. Uh, They were definitely active during this period of 1972, but I couldn't find any indication that they had, like, relations or, uh, you know, support for Palestine. He then indicates that uh, several members of the team are part of the Red Army faction. Uh, in West Germany, there there was a militant organization that had pro-communist leanings. And this probably is the kind of people that Avner was talking to, uh, remember, at the beginning of operations, when he uh, uh, like kind of tracked down his friends and built up his um, information network, right?
0: yeah with the drugged out philosopher chick,
1: yeah, yeah yeah that's she she was probably Red Army faction right right and uh, right. they were definitely engaged in uh, bombings, assassinations, and uh, all sorts of shit at this point. and um in this period, the Russians were uh, leaning over toward the uh, Palestinian cause. And especially in 1972, the Soviets had officially declared the Palestinian movement the vanguard of their liberation movement. So that makes sense. And then the last one, I worked so hard on it, couldn't figure it out. Uh, he points out Daniel Craig as being uh, NC African and I can't find any, I, I have no idea who the NC is. And I couldn't <laughs> figure out any, you know, because Africa's a big place too. Right. Uh, but uh, I couldn't find any indication that like Northern Africa or Southern Africa or any part of Africa was like uh, allied with the Palestinian
0: cause. Well, they probably, the cover is probably people like super separate from stuff. So they wouldn't be allies. So they couldn't look into them, I guess. I don't know. Louis is finally willing to give up Salome to Avner and the group. Um, however he has revealed that Salome is impossible to get to because Salome is actually an asset for the CIA. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yep. Yep. Uh, apparently this actually uh is accurate. Um What they had agreed to do was uh, as long as Salome did not attack or hit any uh, American targets or interests, they were willing to kind of turn a blind eye and pay him a little bit of money. They go to London in order to uh, try and hit Salome. And, you know, this is the most high-profile target they've been after yet.
1: Number one on the list according to every source. Yep. It just
0: It's the guy everybody wanted. This is like, you know, public enemy number one, according to pretty much anybody.
1: The Red Prince.
0: Uh, so they go through these whole uh, plans to try and hit him. They're going to hit him on the corner. They try and confirm that it's him. They confirm that it's him. They're out on the street. Salome's walking with his bodyguards. Uh, team goes into action. They're all in places. Avner starts walking up. Dude with glasses hides a gun behind his umbrella. Great shot. Not sure. What I he love. Did.
1: I love that. I love. I love the <laughs> yeah. idea. He doesn't actually follow through on it, mm-hmm. but uh, when he when he pulled that umbrella out and his gun out, I was like, "Oh my god, that's like such a great way of like, uh, you know, doing a hit."
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, as Evner is approaching Salome and his bodyguards, out of nowhere, this elderly white guy well not elderly he's kind of maybe like in his 50s or 60s he's just not a young guy but you know he's kind of drunk and stumbles up runs in and hey calls him you know i haven't seen you in forever buddy remember it's me and uh blah 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 and then this other guy shows up that's around the same age like no 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 that's not
1: him right he's got he's got a crew yeah And then there's this
0: third guy that shows up what are you guys talking about and it looks like just a Couple of drunken guys, and they're just talking and reminiscing. They're out for a good night, and this completely just you know, cock blocks Avner's shot at taking Salome out. Well, they kind of drag Avner out to the middle of the street. To which the first guy that ran into Avner punches Avner in the face, which then brings out Steve into the mix and two other guys from the team out in the middle of the street. Yeah, these three other guys are still playing this, this part of these old drunken men just out on the town, and they uh, misidentified Abner as one of their buddies.
1: Uh, it's, a super, it's a super fun scene, and we're meant, to, we're meant to realize that this is the CIA and that this is not a random encounter. This is, uh, this is the CIA playing games.
0: Right, and I I was super giddy when this happened.
1: I know, yeah. Wait, it's our it's our number two best trade draft. We both yep. agree on that for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, like not even just the pretending to be out in a town and misidentifying, the fact that the first guy punched Avner to basically provoke the rest of the team to come out from hiding so that they could spot the group, and they're like, "All right, well, we got you guys." Yeah, you know, I, I, it was so well played. So beautifully done, definitely CIA caliber tradecraft right there. It's uh,
1: crazy good, and it's a super fun scene. And I love, like, the CIA guys just seem to be having so much fun with it.
0: Yeah, you know, like
1: Avner's team is like, uh, oh, the darkness. We're having to yeah. deal with all this shit." The CIA yeah. just seems to like to be these like fucking frat boys that are just like, oh, yeah, we know how this shit's done. (laughs) Fucking. And, like, you know, when they drive away and they all, like, flip flip the fingers.
0: They they all flip them off.
1: It (laughs) really is. It really feels like a signal of, like, fuck you, CIA. CIA.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's definitely, like, a throwdown. Like, you know, don't fuck with this target. We're here, and don't you forget it. Quite, quite the flex.
1: Fun time being over, though. Like, that intervention by them doesn't seem, like, actually plausible, like, historically. How much uh, would they have invested in protecting Salome? How did they know exactly where to be and exactly how the hit was supposed to go down in order to plan this very hilarious intervention.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, they would have had eyes on Salome anyway. This is a heavy VIP for the CIA. If they're paying him off that much money and trying to keep him out of American targets, they're going to be protecting his life. So they would have had eyes on him already. And the CIA would have been running counter surveillance anyway, which, you know, I think I discussed earlier in this podcast that, you know, the, the five man team was super, super, super implausible. Like, there was not a whole lot of room for counter surveillance with these five guys. Maybe Glasses Dude would have been running counter surveillance, but like it's it's just it's it's not really there. And just a little bit of maybe a couple extra guys running counter surveillance might have spotted this uh, team of of old frat guys. Uh, uh, but you know I don't I don't think it's that implausible. They would have had people tailing Salome.
1: Well, here's the thing though, like how much it, how invested is the CIA in Salome. We don't have evidence that the deal with the that Salome made with the Beirut CIA contact went any higher than just like a a little kind of a you know gentleman's agreement between themselves for mm-hmm. that specific area. Mm-hmm. Um, however the Al Jazeera doc does put a pin on The fact that that connection didn't happen until closer to 1980, which is like far in the future as far as this film goes. Some people say that uh, Salome's connection with the CIA went back to 1970, which would be fucking weird, right? Really weird. Especially since that's pre-Munich.
0: Right, and that, and considering how much support the U.S. has been garnishing over the last few decades for Palestine, it seems kind of coincidental.
1: I can't be certain what's what's true about that, but uh, my leanings are from from what I've read that uh, Salome and the CIA were not in bed with each other at the time of the timeline of this film. David, your opinion?
0: Uh, I don't really know, but you know, from the stuff that I've looked into and the stuff that you read, it. Does, I mean, there's no evidence to show that it went that far back, uh, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I'd rather just stick to what we have. Uh, that way we don't start jumping to conclusions.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that, but I'll keep an open mind as to what might have really happened.
0: I mean, but the other thing is the actual story of Wrath of God took place over many years. So uh, Spielberg had to stick all of these kind of assassinations into, like, a seven-month period. So he probably smushed all this stuff into a smaller timeline than uh, reality
1: allowed for. Exactly what you're saying. Like, I I think... uh... I think Spielberg's just trying to condense the story. Yeah.
0: yeah. Regardless, when Salome's association with the CIA began or finished, in the film, it's very much in the works. And this failed attempt at a hit on Salome, uh, it kind of feels like a big defeat for the team because this is one of their first failed attempts. And they were had their eyes on the prize, and this is one of the targets they really, really wanted um, number one on the list. Number one on the list. And then they go back to their hotel and kind of regroup and defeat and lick their own wounds, I guess. <clears throat> uh, but something really interesting happens at the bar. Avner is at the bar by himself, you know, crawling into a bottle. And uh, there's this very attractive young lady who seems to be flirting with him. Uh, Avner, being the good husband that he is, says he can't and he leaves. Uh, but on the way out, he meets up with glasses. And points out to glasses to kind of be weary of the local handy trap, which we find out the next morning turns out to be an assassin. Uh, as we find out, glasses has been murdered. Um I kind of wanted to like talk about this scene a little bit because this is directly after the failed attempt of uh, the hit on Salome and uh, with the CIA kind of sussing them out. I wonder if they were the ones that called the hit with her uh, or if it was Salome's men or how. How uh, connected is this moment uh, with that? It's kind of an interesting thought. But I did want to point out that these are my number three and my number two worst tradecraft of the movie. Uh, number three, after Avner uh, turns down the young, attractive woman, he goes upstairs to his room and calls his wife, uh, which this is probably not a secure line. And, uh, you know, his wife, would just had a baby, uh, it's probably tapped, and that probably was a bad idea because that would give out his identity, uh, lots of other stuff. But number two worst trade crap was glasses guy falling for an obvious trap. Uh, here they are; they just botched a, a a big hit. Now this young lady is like super into them. There's no one else at the bar. There's just this lady and them. And uh, I, I I think I would have treaded lightly until we left the city at least, or something. It was just kind of not a good time.
1: This is the first death that uh, happens to the team, and we very quickly start losing team members. Uh, Bombmaker is uh, losing his uh, resolve, and Avner puts him on the bench. Um, It's, you know, uh, Hans is killed at a park bench, and so now where there were five, there's now two.
0: Things get real serious real fast.
1: Louis, the, the continually mysterious Louis, with, with no real answers on what he's uh, doing or what his uh, motivations are, or what his goals are, uh, he gives Avner uh, an update on Salome's location on the Spanish coast. Avner and Daniel, the last two men on the team, they try to make the kill and they whiff it. and They pack it in. And we go to debriefing the operation is agents over.
0: please report for debriefing oh, okay. on this oh, wait. operation
1: Oh, i'm um, I'm sorry that's uh that's we're not going to the podcast debriefing yet we're, that's like uh just
0: you did say that we were behavior. going to debriefing
1: yes, you are correct, yeah, that probably was my mistake um but uh we just have a tiny bit more movie to go through and and then we'll get to that part, okay
0: very well, standing by.
1: During that debriefing, Ephraim uh, specifically notes to Avner that uh, Daniel Craig, our Steve character, uh, specifically thinks that Louis sold them out. Um, again, it's like, I don't know. I, get, I can't give more minus spy points to that whole situation than I've already done. We finished the movie out with uh, some... Uh, I don't know investigation into Abner's PTSD of the situation, his fears about like whether or not his family is going to be targeted, and it uh, uh, comes into a lot of uh, daddy issues that uh, Spielberg's kind of famous for, but we're, it's not within the purview of this podcast. And with that, we're ready to come in from the cold and go to debriefing, Mara. You're sure? Yep.
0: You're totally sure? 100%. All right, then. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now.
1: Final thoughts on accuracy. I wanted to share that uh, what Roger Ebert said, and I think he got it right on this one. Uh, to quote the Bard, The task of the director is to transmute fact into emotions and beliefs, and beliefs, we need to be reminded our beliefs precisely because they're not facts. Ebert is trying to say about this film, and I kind of agree with him, is that it, it gets so many details correct. What's the message of the film? I feel like Spielberg correctly leaves that up to the audience. I really do love this movie. I think it's really tight and just has so much to offer. Only shave off the half a star because a it's not a movie that I feel like I need to like you know continually rewatch. I'm I'm kind of more of a fan of genre films like science fiction and stuff. And uh, second of all, because of the fact that there is unresolved spy stuff relating to a group that uh, just is just kind of, you know, on rewatching, just kind of seems to be there just to be like,
0: ooh, this stuff is going on
1: without actually having any actual kind of payday. When I look at spy movies, I want a spy movie where, like, you know, all the dots are connected. And I especially like spy movies where I need to watch it several times to figure out how all the dots are connected. But in this case... There's just, like, there's there's too many threads self threats for me, yeah. to, for me to put it at a five. But it's a, I mean, it's a really good movie. I like it. Four it point, is. 4.5. Where are you at?
0: Uh, I'm going to give it a solid four. Uh, I think the story was fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed, like, watching it every minute of the film. Uh, as far as a spy movie goes... I'm with you. I, I, I think I want a little bit more of dots to connect and a lot of loose ends to be tied up. But one of the main reasons I'm, I'm, I'm giving it just a solid four is just the amount of Spielberg moments where he has to hold your hand, where there's people that are obviously staring at people. You know, like I brought up when the glasses dude was outside the mini mart watching that first target. He's obviously staring right in front of the building, smoking a pipe. Like staring daggers at their target. There's a lot of moments like that where it's like, like with the hat signal, it was super obvious. The guy might as well have been just standing on the corner waving his hat at everybody. Hey, look at me! You know. Uh, So uh, for stuff like that, I'm gonna give it a four. But overall, I think it was a great story. I enjoyed every minute of it. The acting was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I had a lot of fun watching this movie. You wanna give us your worst trade craft?
1: I was about to ask you to do that, but I'll go first. Okay. As far as redaction ratings, uh, you know, of course, we got to be harsher on a movie that's uh, based on historical events than anything else. Um, but, uh, you know, like my worst tradecraft in the movie are basically all based on this whole Le Group kind of thing, which uh, mm. nobody uh, corroborates their their existence. But uh, maybe that's why they get my weirdest, worst trade cuts. My number three, I didn't like that they didn't follow up on their doubts about Louis in the first place. My number two worst, if Papa's group is so committed to being apolitical, they could have figured shit out. So, you know, then their whole, like, methodology just stops making sense. And my number one worst... Where all those kind of, like, coalesce into a whole, like, that whole Athens thing about putting the PLO and Avner's group into the same room. What does that accomplish? Uh, it, it it doesn't make sense for, for Louis' group. It doesn't make sense for Avner. It doesn't make sense that Avner's group doesn't immediately say, like, oh, Louis fucking fucked us in the ass. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just... Becomes a whole morass, like my number three, two, and one, all kind of coalesce into being just this. Like we want you to think that, like, oh, there's moves being made, chess moves being made, and weird, and who can you trust or whatever. <laughs> but in the end, but in the end, when you look at it, it's it's a mess and it doesn't make sense and it it detracts from my appreciation. Of to be perfectly honest
0: yeah uh my worst trade crafts uh well number three was Avner calling his wife from the hotel after the failed salome attempt uh it was probably a really insecure line he just kind of compromised his wife who just had a baby uh in the movie it doesn't really turn in anything but it's still kind of kind of probably a bad move for him Number two was in a similar situation, Glasses Dude falling for the obvious honey trap. Even when Avner told him it was a honey trap, you know, it's, it was, especially the way Spielberg filmed it, it was, it was like, uh, all right, you might as well just shoot yourself. Um, and then the number one worst tradecraft, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme for me in, in our podcast, is just not having a sufficient team uh you know five guys probably would have not been able to cut it and if so it would have taken a lot longer than seven months to hit that many targets todd what are some of your best
1: my number three best tradecraft is a look at how glasses functions within the team i went into detail about that before Mm -hmm. won't go into it again uh my number two and my number one, I'm just in 100% agreement with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we you, both.
1: You, yeah, you, we you both tackle, completely you tackle that, baby.
0: Yeah, uh, Ty and I both unanimously agree that number two and number one are, are definitely our favorites. Number two being when the CIA team pretending to be the drunk old frat boys comes and they, they pull Avener away from when uh, Salome and then pop him in the face. To basically provoke Avner's team to come out of the the bushes.
1: I mean, you get the feeling that these guys are like so much more advanced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in <laughs> in their tradecraft than anything that Avner has ever like encountered before, and that 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 really felt like it shone through in the way that that scene was shot.
0: Yeah, it was like these guys. This is another day at work for these guys, you know, versus Avner's learning as he goes along, you know. Cause he's supposed to be, everybody on the team's supposed to be like inexperienced or whatever. And then our both unanimous number one that we got super giddy when we found out how real in history it was, was the Israeli forces.
1: Right, because, yeah, I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, you go. Okay. It was when the Israeli forces dressed in drag so they could get closer to the hotel. That their targets were the three targets were staying at because that whole area was heavily guarded. I, I loved every minute of it.
1: Hundred percent. And I'm not even gonna look up Ehud Barak in Wikipedia because I don't wanna find out that when he turned into the Israeli Prime Minister that he ended up doing some like weird shit that I wouldn't <laughs> agree with because I I just I just want that guy to still be my hero. I love <laughs> I love a commando officer that's willing to put on a dress and be the front line on uh, an assault in like deep territory. God bless you, Ehud Barak. Yeah, Fucking <laughs> <laughs> love you.
0: Yeah, that was perfect. Perfect. All right, so like redactions. Um, I, I don't know. What do you, you want to? I'm thinking of two.
1: Where did we land on the company?
0: I think we were at like 1.5 or something.
1: Yeah, I'll go with... uh,
0: Or do you want to go with a 2.5?
1: So it's less though, right? Less redacted?
0: Number one means it's very realistic. Means it happened in history or it's so realistic there's no question that this could happen. Versus a five is Austin Powers.
1: I think it lands on the same place as the company. The details are solid. Uh, it's just that these characters didn't necessarily participate in these events in the way that it's shown in the film.
0: Right. So what are we, 1.5 maybe or like a 2? I think this should go along with the company. Even though the company had a lot better tradecraft, this is a lot, a lot of accuracy. So I think a 1.5 is warranted.
1: I'll meet you with the 1.5. Right.
0: We'll do a 1.5. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net you know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate protocol nine. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautix, Enter the Party by Kevin MacLeod, and Sound Effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at SpiesLikeUs.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.